If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come one. You are listening to the Success Report with Joe Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Yo, bro, you want to play some Call of Duty? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, it's, yo, it's how I celebrate Remembrance Day, man. What are you talking about? Oh, man. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> I, I don't actually no, I don't. That's not my game of uh, choice. But uh, yeah, yeah, it is Remembrance Day. Uh, and um, shout out to all the veterans and um, those people who had uh, family yeah, members that, that fought in the war. Yeah, respect definitely. Yeah, um, it's, I, uh, it's 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 something that I think we don't comprehend today, um, because for the most part, military service is voluntary. Right, and those guys were drafted. Uh, what's interesting for me, like, is I don't have any family members that fought in the war, um, but I go to church with. Um, a lot of people who had um, their fathers or grandfathers fight in the war. So sometimes when we do our home groups, uh, like, so, you know, some of the um, elderly members of our church, they'll, they'll, they'll show me their, their photo albums and show me uh, memorabilia and pictures from their uh, fathers or uncles or cousins who fought in the war. And so, you know, me being like a historian, I, I, I always find it very fascinating and very cool. Um, and very, and very honorable. I was just like, oh, wow, like that's, that's pretty deep. So, um, for me, that's a connection for me where I'm like, I feel like I know them. Um, and that I feel like a part of that history, of course, living in this country, um, and being a proud Canadian, but also, um, living, I guess, kind of vicariously through, um, the elderly, um, brothers and sisters at my church. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I would say like hearing it, either firsthand or secondhand is definitely um, something that, you know, I, I think it's going to be, it, it resonate. it's going to resonate with you more than like sitting through grade 11 history class. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a history buff and all, but, but I mean, you know, unless you're, I mean, I mean, I would assume, you know, going through Canadian history now, you would appreciate it more than when you did when you were in high school. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, most definitely for sure, for sure. I'm, I'm very appreciative. Like when, when you were in high school, would, when you were in high school, do you think you were more like me, where you're like, let's just get through this class? Yeah. But or did you kind of have your draw to history at that point? Um, no, no. I, I guess it, you know, I unlike you, it's not like I wanted to leave that class and go to math. I wanted to, you know, go down to the cafeteria, and <laughs> yeah, play dominoes, yeah. and eat sugar twist donuts. Uh, but now yeah, that yeah. I'm older and I'm appreciative of the country I live in and I'm really looking at the economy and thankful for the country we live in, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely geeked about it and hearing stories of people going away to war and what was it like. So um, I really enjoyed it. So like even now, like, and this is what brings about our episode, uh, we're going to be looking at two issues. We're going to be looking at uh, the rainbow poppy issue and also the Don Cherry issue. The first thing we'll look at is 
the rainbow poppy issue. And so people are probably listening and they're like, what? Uh, rainbow poppy? What are you what are you talking about? So, yes. So there is a there is a such thing uh, as a rainbow poppy. And so it was introduced as a concept in 2016 by the LGBT groups um, in a push. They in a push, they say, is to honor LGBT veteran LGBT veterans. But it has caused controversy amongst those who say it's unnecessary with the red poppy honoring all veterans, regardless of sexuality. So, I mean, here, the, the reason why we want to talk about it is not so much the content of the scenario as opposed to, uh, the, you know, using this as an example to, to that you really need to do your due diligence. So Natalie Salisbury was kicked out of school after defending the traditional red and black poppy. Her crime? The grade 11 student refused to don an LGBT-inspired rainbow poppy, so she printed off posters to defend her decision and explain why the traditional red and black poppy means so much to say to so many Canadians. And I think Rebel News and Post Millennial uh, were the only other ones to to really uh, report on it uh, right away. You know, call it the problem. There's a, and I'll put a show uh, a post in the show notes from the Post Millennial um, that that shows there's some tweets by Sarah Bird, who's a I think what ran for the Conservative Party. If I'm, if I, uh, yeah, it was a former Conservative Party candidate. Um, and she basically said that her 17-year-old cousin was suspended for, uh, just going to paraphrase, the cho- her choir teacher was demanding that the choir wear rainbow poppies during the performance in the, in the Remembrance Day ceremony. She and another student rejected that idea and both were suspended for hate speech. So, you know, that tweet doesn't, uh, maybe it's a little bit sensationalized. It sounds like she was suspended for, um, you know, put, putting up a fight with the idea of, or, or sorry, that she was forced to wear, wear a rainbow poppy and her denial of doing so was the cause. When in reality, and, and that's kind of the sensationalization that went on at the beginning um, when it turns out she was suspended for hate speech for the basically the post or the the letter she wrote and posted all around her school um uh, i'll put a a tweet uh in the show notes page that that has a link to the to the letter um if i was going to paraphrase it in a gracious manner um uh, i don't think it's anti-lgbtq in any way like it's not criticizing lgbtq people for um their lifestyle or anything along those lines uh it is critical of bringing the rainbow like adding a rainbow to the poppy um so she's just voicing her opinion on why she thinks the poppy should stay red and white um and so it's uh anti-lgbtq in the sense that it's anti um adding the rainbow to the poppy but not anti uh any particular person or um way of life and and I, I I don't know. To call it hate speech seems a little, you know, I think maybe the school overreacted, probably because some people, you know, over, over, were upset by her post or her or, uh, publishing of this letter. Um, and so the school responded accordingly. Right. And so now looking at the idea of uh, what is hate speech uh, is, is the key question. Like, how are we defining it? And that will transition us into 
the next uh, topic dealing with what happened with Don Cherry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for those who don't know, Don Cherry made some comments on Coach's, Coach's Corner. So we're going to play the clip and then we'll talk about it. You know, I was talking to a veteran. I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities and, you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, you people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. Anyhow, I'm going to run it again for you great people and good Canadians that bought a poppy. I'm still going to run it. Anyhow, love you for it. So I think the, let's call it the crux of uh, what people jumped on was the fact that he said, you people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in essence, uh, they, in general, it was interpreted, let's say, more by the left-leaning uh, media that he was referring to immigrants. Um, well, you people and, come and, here. Yeah, you people who come here. Um, he bas- basically people are jumping on that he's referring to immigrants. Uh, I, I would think, you know, I would say I agree. Um, but Darnell, you kind of said to me like that was not your initial interpretation. No, and but- I had a few people like, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, because well, like he referenced, he's like, yeah, I'm from Mississauga, and he was just kind of saying, okay, well, I noticed that people in Toronto aren't doing it, people in Mississauga aren't doing it, and then P- then then you people that come from you know abroad now it's it's interesting because like yeah well he was also saying like in the suburb or in you know other places of ontario he goes he's like people everywhere are wearing poppies or right so he's not, referring to like not wearing poppies no no in like um so if you were to go to small town ontario everybody has a poppy so he was kind of saying like in the metropolitan areas nobody wears a poppy yeah and, and it's funny because when he said um, you people that come here i was thinking also like of course you know you know, people that come from overseas, but also people that might even cross over the border. So it could be, you know, Americans as well. Uh, I don't know. That's how I saw I kind of saw it like as, as him basically attacking the culture as a whole, not uh, wearing poppies. So I was just like, okay. But I can see how, yeah, people, I can I see how people would, would uh, take, take, see it as a shot at um, him kind of taking a shot at immigrants. I could see that though too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think uh, it's interesting um, in that, I mean, he defended, there was a, you know, people like, I think he, he responded, um, to, um, oh, here's, here's the quote, what he said. I know what I said and I meant it. Everybody in Canada should wear poppy to honor our fallen soldiers. Um, and, and I mean, that I think is what he intended. The point was like, he was, you know, trying to voice his opinion that not enough people support our troops. Um, if you listen to the entire Coach's Corner segment, which is where this is from, uh, which is from Saturday Night Hockey, I mean, Coach's Corner, I'm assuming, is going to be dead. If they try to put someone else in his place, I will laugh hysterically and never watch it. Um, but that said... Um, he even in the so in the full segment he said something to the effect of I don't even you know 
I don't, I'm not sure if I even should run this segment. So he always runs a like fallen soldiers, respect for our troops kind of segment. He does? Um, on Remembrance Day. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so this was in like leading up to that segment. And so he he also had said, you know, I wasn't even sure I was going to run this segment this year. Um, but f- because nobody wears. So he's it's it's like a huge little rant about people not honoring our soldiers. And he's like, but I'm going to do it again this year. And then and then basically he runs the clip after this rant. Um, and so, you know, is it taken out of context? <sighs> no, probably not. Um, is it not giving it uh, a fair shake? Like you got an 85 year old guy who I, I would say like, for him to say you people, I feel like he says that all the time. I don't know why. I just like maybe I'm wrong. Like, but he says you people, like you in the media, you you know he are he you refers to. I mean, well, no, like I would say he uses you people, not referring to immigrants all the time. You people out there, if you're listening and you're doing it, and you you should get involved in this too. Because what they want to do, they want to take what our guys, when they come back, they, uh, you know, they need the jobs. Everybody needs jobs. They want to put them in the construction business. So they're going to train them. So you people should get involved. I'm going to be involved. Helmets, the hard hats, the greatest people in the world next to our troops. So come on, get involved in this. It's a Canadian way. But, but as I listen to it, it doesn't sound foreign in the sense of like, I feel like a bit of deja vu because, like, um, he'll he'll say like, you know, one of his biggest criticisms is, um, and this is a bit of a total hockey sidebar, you know, he he goes at the media for, um, basically, there's people in the media who want to change the way hockey's played, whether it's with respect to hitting or with respect to fighting or different things, but they've never played the game, and so he'll say, "You people." you know, towards them, you, you know, in term, you know, when they're talking about fighting. So, so that's where like this, you people comment, I think is, I know that there's a, you know, let's say a little bit of baggage with the use of the term. Um, but I think maybe there's a bit of reading into it more than, than intend than he intended it to, to come across. Um, because it's a, he's just categorizing you people. Like he's speaking to the audience. Um, but again, maybe I'm being more gracious to his, to his words. Um, but I totally get why, um, it's, it's taken as immigrants. Uh, and, and maybe he intended it that way. Where do you think, uh, all the outrage is coming from? Well, yeah. Uh, well, it sounds, yeah, it it sounds to me that, yeah, he was, he was talking about (laughs) immigrants, you people, uh, who come here, uh, and and of course you know you people in Mississauga, you people in Toronto, uh, you know not not wearing the poppy. Uh, so, f- so I could definitely see where the outrage was coming from. So for me, I was kind of looking at okay, well what 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 are the principles in which we interpret? Like I said, like in the pri- in the prior topic, we talked about the rainbow poppy. And the girl being said she was giving hate speech, but now we see hate speech in this context. And so we, so I looked up, uh, I went, I looked up the Canadian Civil Liberties Education Trust, and they talked about the Rights One Hundred and One in the Freedom of Expression. So we'll put a link 
to that in the show notes. And basically what they were saying was that everyone has the following fundamental freedoms, right? So the freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. So there was a landmark case of Irwin Toy versus Quebec. And so what what happened out of that case when it was taken to the Supreme Court was uh, values of freedom of expression. There's personal self-fulfillment. There's the pursuit of truth through an open exchange of ideas. And then three, uh, in it in it enables political discourse, which is the fundam- which is fundamental to democracy. So, like when you really think about like the freedom of expression, there's two components to it. So there's the content, which is uh, the meaning behind the expression, and then there's the form, um, the way you portray the meaning. Now, in this context, dealing with um, Don Cherry. And looking at the meaning behind his expression, I know for me as a Christian exegete um, and a person who sits under expository preaching, my listening is always inclined to hearing explicit and implicit statements, vague statements interpreted in light of the explicit statements. So uh, I thought Don Cherry was really smooth in him making um, a lot of implicit statements like he never he never said ah those Jamaicans ah those Africans those Indians um, but again that could be interpreted in many different ways you people could be people from Buffalo crossing the border to come here he might have you know some friends and family from Buffalo or wherever the case is from the U.S. coming over here um, but but either way um, because of our political climate and the principle or the ideology or the doctrine of diversity in which we interpret language now um, that's kind of what we um, hung our hat on and so that's what that was the lens in which you um, his 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 um, comments were being interpreted so I, I thought it was kind of unfair and really judging the content of his expression uh, but I would also add that um, we really have to look at um, like how far can one go? Cause we don't have absolute free speech. Right. And we've talked about this before on previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. um, for example, uh, yep. you can't um, threat, no, no threats of violence. Um, and that the pros and cons of like, so for example, the pro of sharing info, Oh, sorry, the, the, the pro and con of uh, free speech is that, the pro is that you're sharing info for the for public consideration, but the con is that um, you're protecting vulnerable individuals. So you dehumanize or cause others to have negative feelings towards that group. Uh, sh- so should we ha- should we have laws to protect people from this type of harm? Right. And, and, and that's what we're really wrestling with, because, yes, it's good to have the dialogue and, and allow this, these, these comments to be um, to be made and and we can wrestle with them. But then the other the negative side is that protecting vulnerable individuals, um, dehumanizing them and making them targets of hatred. And that's what people were kind of worried about. Yeah. And I mean, that's an you know, that's an interesting. I, I would say, like, to me, that takes like four steps. 
mm-hmm. from what he said. Well, maybe four. So it's a few steps away from what he said, mm-hmm. right? Because like, okay, like if I was trying to going to break down what he said into like fundamental tenets, um, and this is, I'm glad I I kind of got you to to break all this down first because um, it puts what I want how I want to interpret his speech or his content uh, in the right frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you really you know, broke out this uh, freedom of expression. Um, concept because what he said if if i'm just simplifying it let's let's go with the immigrant claim um he's basically claiming that within you know Mississauga, within toronto um immigrants are coming here and not buying the poppy so what is he implying by that i think he's implying and he kind of said it is that you know they're not supporting our troops and they're not supporting, um, as a result, he's then making an extension that they're not supporting the the rights and freedoms that they've been given by coming to this country. Um, or, or they're not, they're not, sorry, they're not supporting those who sacrificed their lives or lives to give us those rights and freedoms. Um, so that claim from him, would you, would you say that's a good paraphrase of, of kind of his claim? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, because like, yeah, looking at his content, I felt like the heart behind it. Uh, I agree with the heart behind it. You know, he's passionate. I'm sure he might have had some relatives who fought in the war. Um, you know, you know, allow the man, let the man be passionate. Yeah, and and so he thinks more people should support our troops, and 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 those and they who should. sacrifice and they their should. lives, and we should. And, and so the question then is. And to me, to one question is, is he even right? Like, is he right that, again, assuming he meant immigrants, is he right that immigrants um, don't support the troops? No, no or I don't think so. Don't, and, 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 and I, I don't know if he's right either, because the poppy, I would say, is just one way you could support the troops. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. You know, arguably, if you're if you don't wear a poppy, but you're um, in the battle with the liberal government about uh, how much ve- uh, we support our veterans mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to resolve some mm-hmm. of the problems there. Well, like if you're on that battle, but you're not wearing a poppy, like I would say clearly you care about our troops and those who sacrifice their life and put their lives on the line for us. Um, so I think the poppy is just one example of support and so he could be dead wrong and and even if he is dead wrong well is the answer to say like my concern is like we basically just shut down conversation mm-hmm. on his statement which there's no there's no we're not even going to engage whether he's right or wrong like you've said your perception is he's wrong i would say i don't really know like his claim that within Toronto Mississauga less people wear poppies, like as a proportion, obviously. So only ten percent of the population in, in the metropolitans wear the poppy, whereas like ninety percent of the population in like, you know, the rural Ontario or small town Ontario. Um if if that's true, what does it mean? I don't know. But is it something we should maybe have a public discourse about? Maybe there's a need within our metropolitan areas to actually say like we need to value the actual rights and freedoms that that our um, country was founded on, a little bit more. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's a and I think that's a public discourse that maybe we should engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I my my you know what frustrates me or in Darnell's words what bakes my biscuit is um, <laughs> the fact that calling it politically incorrect and just like because res- to some extent why are we calling it politically incorrect because a whole bunch of left wing media got upset by what he said. Right, like, mm-hmm. I would say there's probably a whole bunch of the the hockey world that went, ah, you should have said, shouldn't have said that, mm-hmm. right? Just because they know how people are going to respond, as opposed to being, oh, that was hateful and bigoted, like, to call it hateful and bigoted based on him making a claim of his observation, is imputing motive and um, prejudice that you don't actually know he holds. Mm-hmm. You just know he made an observation that you think is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I put all of that in, and, and so with all the rant I've gone on, um, to then turn around and say, okay, how does it, um, in, in uh, the words you said, how does the con of free speech putting the minority or putting the vulnerable at risk? Well, how would it put the vulnerable at risk? The only way would be if someone says, okay, immigrants to this country don't value our troops. Okay, how does that put them at risk? Therefore, uh, we should so. vote for policies to kick them out. So, do you, no, sorry, sorry, that, you, but you know what I mean? Like, 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 like the person would have to jump to that conclusion. But even that isn't, like, isn't a, a human rights violation. Like, that's that's using the political tools at our disposal okay. to try to reinforce okay, I see where um, you're coming from. Yeah. the Canadian values. Okay. Right? So it, it would literally have to be, I, I need to do something to get rid of these people to get out of our country, which has nothing to do with what he said. Right? Like, you have to take it to a place of actually causing harm, which holding the view that immigrants don't value our troops whatever the you know pop, proper paraphrase is um how do you get to to putting them at risk like because and and this is where again what bakes my biscuit is um is it politically incorrect to put criticisms towards minorities yes it is that's a problem and like that's the problem with political incorrectness Right. So you're allowed to criticize white people. You're allowed to criticize men. Even if it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the content of your criticism is irrelevant. It's who you're criticizing that makes it wrong. And and like uh, Orwellian, like 1984 here, like, hello, what are we doing? Right. Like talking about things is how we we move forward right right? ideas are how we move forward Mm -hmm. and uh, that's interesting point you bring up but like so part of the pushback against what you're saying is that the way we as canadians and our doctrine of diversity and the way the way we interpret speech or speech that is quote-unquote hate speech is that right so okay so in in the court case, the Saskatchewan Human Rights Commission versus Bill Watcott, 
there were three conclusions that the Supreme Court came down with in regards to how they critique what is hate speech. And so maybe this might be helpful for the listeners in regards to the way we interpret um, to be mindful of these little nuances and principles to determine hate speech or even if it's even logical or fair. So one aspect is reducing discrimination and further equality and human dignity. Now, the other one is that to expose protected groups to hatred. And then the third point is hate speech is a type of expression that does not support one of the core values of expression, mainly individual self-fulfillment of vulnerable people is undermined. So when you really look at what he said and looking at these criterias, was was their individual self-fulfillment of vulnerable people hindered? Was that in, was it undermined? Um, does this reduce discrimination or or did, sorry, did his comments increase discrimination? Um, and did it um, you know create inequality and in human dignity? And because his comments were being interpreted um, in this lens or through this lens or through this doctrine, uh, it's seen as hate speech. So, so that's how, you know, the media and, and, and the Canadian culture would interpret something as hate speech. Yeah, I mean, I, I think personally, I think the concept of hate speech is both dangerous and unnecessary. Um, I'll speak to the second one first. It's unnecessary because um, any harm caused to an individual based on speech would already be covered by common law and the current aspects of law that we have. Okay. So um, so what do you mean by the, common law? And, uh, so, I mean, don't harm anyone, don't harm anyone's property. Okay. Right? So um, in, the, in, in our context of Canada, if you were to, you know, let's say, if you started out in the street, you know, basically stirring up people to to cause harm to someone else through your speech, you would be held liable, right? It's, I mean, in general, the idea is um, particular act as opposed to um, a general call, right? So um, you would have to say punch that person in the face as opposed to punch a Nazi mm -hmm. um, it, it is how you would be liable, right? So um, it's unnecessary in that... so. The point I'm trying to make is it's unnecessary because when, when actual harm is caused, the concept of tort law, common law, where like if you can be shown that your specific behavior was um, intentional and directly related, right? So you intentionally tried to get someone to punch someone else in the face and you, the, someone else was punched in the face, i.e. harm was caused, then you're liable. Um, why it's dangerous, in my opinion... One is Human Rights Council or Human Rights Commission is a kangaroo court. Like the basic idea of what you would expect when you go to court is not upheld. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, and I, I mean, we could spend a whole show on it, so I won't go down the road too much. But in general, when you hear Human Rights Council or Human Rights Commission courts, that's not the same as like, a, uh, let's call it a regular trial and sort of the um, outlining that you would expect with regards to legal uh, rights and privileges um, 
that are granted to you through the court system. And, and consequently, um, hatred is not an objective term. And that's what makes it dangerous. Because of the subjective nature, it's, yeah, it, it, it's scary, um, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. um, I won't get into the specifics, but there's a scenario that just unfolded in out in BC where I think justice was done, um, but I was not confident that the Human Rights Commission was going to rule the way that they should have. Um, but they did. Um, and uh, yeah, again, if I start just divulging what refer- what specific thing I'm talking about, it'll be a whole nother podcast. So um, I'll just leave it there that saying that... I just, you know, the and and yeah, it's it's dangerous um, because we're we're removing objective measures that that actually provide all of us um, safety. That you know, um, that when we go to you know a legal proceeding, we're gonna get fair treatment under the law. Now, I I don't know if I said it on the podcast before, but anyone who knows me. I do think that we have a problem with our criminal justice system, our legal system, in that uh, how much wealth you have going into a court case directly impacts your ability to have a favorable outcome. Or, probably more properly stated, would be uh, the poorer you are, the more likely you're going to have a worse outcome than if somebody in the exact same scenario as you was rich. Um, So, yeah, there is a systemic issue within the court structure where uh, wealth positively impacts your outcome, and that's a problem. Um, but outside of that, there are still um, rights and privileges that the court system, the regular court system, grants to us. Um, and and our, you know, if you look at the American Constitution, it's a little bit cleaner as to how that plays out. But in the Canadian Constitution, we're still we're still given, um, you know, they can't hold us without a trial. You know, think of it in that regard. So um, I just think things like this, adding subjective rules to the law is very dangerous. Uh, whereas objective things uh, like you know, the concept of murder, uh, whereas hatred is really judging people's motives. And, you know, really that's between you and God as to what your motives are. So that nice little rant of mine was my two cents. Darnell, what's your two cents? the two things I think we can principles we can kind of work with is that uh, we are safer knowing who is spreading the hate speech. So that's one aspect to it. And then the other aspect to it is um, that way we can identify where people stand and what they are saying and that we know how to respond effectively to that kind of speech. I believe the underlying principle for both issues is not to call good evil and evil good, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, though some may call Don Cherry's comments hate speech and or bad, the fact that he was free to speak his mind is a good. Instead of hiding, silencing, or canceling hate speech, we should be exposing it by taking it on face to face. Christians need to be aware of the culture's made-up righteousness or virtue signaling. Society does not define what is good or what is hate. God does. Our gospel, which is good news, is considered bad news or hate speech to them. 
Political correctness throws the baby out with the bathwater, the dirty water of fear and the precious gift of free speech. The assumption is that hate speech will lead to a particular group of people being mistreated, kind of like Hitler and the Jews or the Hutus and the Tutsis. To conclude, this is to skip history class altogether. Evil ideas thrive when monologue is exalted over dialogue. As Christians, we are a logocentric people, meaning a word-centered people. We believe the world was created and put in order by words, and souls will be saved by words. Our greatest weapon against hate speech is good words, words of logic and words of truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He talked to us, corrected our bad ideas so we would know how to live. As Christians of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must courageously do the same. That's my two cents. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in, in it, it, I think it sucks in general, this whole thing. Um, you know, Don, 1981, I think I saw. He 80, well, no, I 80, I well he started 86. doing uh, Coach's Corner in 1986. Yeah, he, I think, uh, so I, I remember watching, the, like, so CBC, as a, you'll never find it now, but CBC had done a two, um, two, four, um, two-hour segment. So it was a total of, I want to say eight hours twice, where they basically did, like, a story of his life. So, like, over a 16-hour documentary series. The first four was, like, leading up to the job, and then the, the second one was like a little bit more of like leading up to like the, the last little part up to his job. And then like, I guess, uh, while he'd been working at, as a, um, you know, a broadcaster. Um, and and I, I don't know, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good story. It was pretty decently well done uh, for a Canadian, you know, produced project. Yeah, but, um, but, it, but it's but, the end of an era. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. End of an era. Like, you know, this guy has i mean he he made his living being controversial right like you go back into like the 2000s he's chirping european hockey players like chirping them for being soft right like so you want to talk about politically incorrect this guy has been politically incorrect his whole life just voicing his opinion they made money off of him being politically incorrect so i mean he's been talk about firing him for like the last decade you know whether they want to get rid of them and so you know to me uh, i know i already gave my two cents but this is a bit of a extra you know, change a baby perspective extra change baby yeah extra change you know uh, it, within the hockey community he is both loved and hated at the same time um for multiple reasons right um people love his opinion or they hate it and and the thing is he's been paid for his opinion you know some people will say well you know, I saw some comments in the, the chats that I'm in and in hockey chats and whatnot that like he oh, he spoke on politics and that's why he got fired. Man, he's been talking like po politically, you know, type of stuff and all along, you know, the fact that he potentially referenced immigrants somehow, as I said, oh, because you're critical of something that's considered a minority. That's why you get fired. You know, it's kind of it's sad. Um, that he goes out on, on that, you know, mm -hmm. that's the reason he's no longer, um, mm -hmm. because 
you know, of all the, you know, he's 85 years old and, you know, you couldn't have, and the crazy part is he's fired on Remembrance Day for going on a rant (laughs) about how people aren't supporting Remembrance Day. Yeah. The irony is ridiculous um, to the point that I would say, you know, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Because really, at the end of the day, he's fired by left wing media when he's the only conservative guy um, on left wing media for the most part. So it's sad. Um, it's disappointing that he went out on you know on on this. Um, and at the end of the day, it sounds like he got he he got fired because everybody else apologized and he refused to apologize. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not surprising in our cancel culture that we live in. You know that yeah. he got fired for refusing to apologize. Yeah. But if you look at someone like Chris Rocky or Chris, uh, not Sh- Chris Rocky, Dave Kevin Hart. Oh. Or Kevin Hart. Even oh, Kevin when you Hart. apologize, you still get fired. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he first aired in 1981, but I think Coach's Corner started in 1986, uh, based on um, some of the other stuff I read. So uh, I got a few. You know, we'll we'll put a few links. Um, in the in the show notes page for the the listener to do their own uh, due diligence and research, um, as we brought up with the first topic, you know you you always gotta you never know um, when things are let's say slightly sensationalized or misrepresented, so you got to do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so guys, let us know what you think. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter at Six Sense Report uh, at yeah, six cents report, and then we have a Facebook group. Uh, so jump in, join the conversation if you're trying to get in touch with we me. We have a Facebook group. Yeah, what man. Are you talking about man. Yeah, we, we have a Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook page. Yeah, the Facebook page. Facebook page, bro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Facebook page. Uh, if you're trying to get in touch with me, do good at Darnell D O G U D D A underscore Darnell on Twitter and Instagram, and the Darnell Samuels on Facebook. And uh, T Joel and thirty nine everywhere. I'll let your boy. Six cents makes change. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense?